This is CliffCentral.com. 360biz on CliffCentral.com. It is 360biz.com. My name is Debo Homafori. Welcome to another exciting installment of 360biz. You know, whenever you hear us, Every Wednesday this time around, you know that this is a show that brings you all things business. We bring in regulators, we bring in subject matter experts, we bring in industry leaders and thought provokers. More than anything, I'm very excited about today. I've brought in game changers. I don't know whether should I call them game changers or game is changing them or how we're actually uh, putting it. But I'm actually particularly excited about today's show. We've got um, shows that... Every week, without fail, every Wednesday, 1 p.m., right here on Cliff Central, where we bring you exciting guests and everything. If ever you've just tuned in, you can always go to www.cliffcentral.com, go to Tuesdays and podcast, then you're able to get show and get to hear some of the exciting shows that we have. But I'm not alone in studio. I'm with my girl. How are you, girl? I'm good. How are you? No, no, I'm good. Thanks. Welcome back. We're always missing you. Yes, you know, you know, entrepreneurs, right? Mm, you know, mm. I always say business people don't become late; they become delayed, they right? Become delayed. Yes. So just like Ezra, in terms of commitment, do you understand? Us being here, we're still business people. We still need to run businesses and the likes. So I know that I'm with entrepreneurs. Um, in studio as well, so it's one of those things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, your presence was felt. Your absence was felt. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, it's it good. Was. It's good. But but you held it. You held it down well. I had you last week. I was cheering up from all the way from Zambia. <laughs> I'm like, that's my god. <laughs> oh, I tried. Is it? Are you good though? I'm good. It's just been busy, Is but it? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about today's show. Is it? Yeah. So the new year is treating you well so far. The new year is treating me great. Is it? Uh, this particular company. That 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 we have today, uh, I've actually had I think an encounter with both brands um, of of these companies. One I used to have a friend that used to work um, for one of them, and the one uh, they did Takanimal, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and at some point, I wanted to be their marketing whatever. I think after during the early years of 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 launching, um, you know, the the mall itself, but I ended up not um, pursuing it. But you'll get to hear some of these, um, you know, companies that I'm actually um, talking about today. I'm looking forward to having the discussion with them. Today we're talking about the development of South African economy. I mean, the South African government has welcomed efforts in ensuring that the township economy grows and truly help in eradicating the unemployment burden and its paramount importance that measurable efforts are made to uplift township economy. I'm very particularly excited but that a company called Mechonic Property Development has confirmed that it is currently in the process of developing a major new shopping center in Tembisa on Gauteng Eastrand. The mall will be have in excess of 100 stores, um, although the final number is not yet confirmed and will include the full garment and national fashion retailers. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily going to mention the brands, um, until they're ready to actually launch and they've confirmed in writing that they're going to actually be there. And full service spanks, wholesale butchery, um, liquor stores, a vibrant food court, and including kids' play areas, gaming arcades, action spots filled as well as large uh, day clinic and health facilities. I mean, to talk about this um, new mall and the development of the township economy, we have the honor of welcoming our guest in studio, Jason McConnick, who's the MD of McConnick Property Development, a highly self-motivated Afropeanist and driver of like-minded team developing some of the most 
significant retail developments in the emerging markets in South Africa today. Um, I'm actually meeting him for the first time today, but it's not the first time hearing about the company. Maybe if I introduce my second guest, let me take this opportunity to welcome him and let him say hi to our listeners. How are you, Jason? I'm very well in yourself. Thanks, Tabojo. Hi to your listeners, and thanks for having us on the show. No, good, thanks. Jason, I was expecting an old man to be walking in. (laughs) (laughs) Balance me here. No, listen, there is an old man involved. It was founded by my father uh, uh, 35 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, 35 years and one month now. Um, But we have a very young team uh, that works alongside me. Okay. Um, um, I've been there since way before Tsugani Mall opened with DJ Sabu yeah. as our headline act. It was a it was a big party that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've got a lot of young guys. I've been at the company 16 years, um, mm-hmm. and we've got a hell of a great team uh, that's driving driving you know our single minded focus on really improving the lives of of people in the rural areas, the townships, through creating these. These employment opportunities and and real equity for people in 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 the township areas, um, you know, proper private uh, investment into the townships. Is it? So I mean, uh, you 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 said you've been in the in the business way more than your Takani Mona. So would you say you practically grew up grew with the business? Well, you're not entrepreneur. You know that if you've got an entrepreneur in the family, the business becomes so ingrained within the family life and. From when it started, my dad was, um, well, my mother was a secretary and my dad was everything else. Uh, started with two people in a, in a room in the house, uh, in 1983. Mm-hmm. And it was a part of the life. So I always knew that this is what I was going to get involved in. Um, I studied, um, post school specializing in subjects that would help me, um, f- fulfill this role. And so certainly it's always been a part of my life and it's been a passion of, uh, of everyone in our family really doing what we're doing. Mm. And it's great to love what you do. Is it? I want to go somewhere with this, with this discussion, but at its core, I mean, the fourth industrial revolution is driven by the coming together of physical and digital technologies. By gathering and analyzing data from machines and robots, we are able to obtain insights into the health and performance of industrial installations, allowing us to optimize the operations to increase uptime, speed, and yield. A small number of innovative companies are taking these innovation a step further and using them to develop new higher-value business models. With recent advances in artificial intelligence, we are now able to envisage autonomous operations where machines and even entire facilities can run themselves. On top of that, breakthroughs in biotechnology, nanotechnology, and quantum computing are allowing us to manipulate the world on ever smaller scale, even at the subtonic levels, and to introduce the technologies into our bodies, which ultimately uh, transform us. So talk to us in studio about the fourth industrial revolution. We have the honor of welcoming our guest, Mr. Leon Feljun, who's the chief executive officer at ABB South Africa. Mr. Feljun, how are you, sir? Oh, very well, thank you, Tabojo. No, good, thanks. Um, Mr. Feljun, tell me, oh, 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 just a quick one. Um, ABB has been a giant for years. Hmm? So for me, you see, when when I saw the two of you uh, walking, just that I had already met Leon, I think the roles would have been better attend. You would have been a mechanic because you're the one with the gray hair a bit. And, <laughs> <laughs> and Jason becomes ABB because he's a person of, of, of young energy. Have you long been with the company? I've been with the company for many years. I studied through the company. 
left them in 2000 and returned in 2012 again. Oh, nice. When you left, were you still CEO? Now, when I left, I was in a, a different position. Mm-hmm. I went to the PowerTech Group. Mm-hmm. So I've been in the industry my whole life. Oh, is it? No, oh, okay. Let me take this for you to welcome my boy, Bulela Bala. How are you, Fana? Oh, man, I'm good, eh? I had to rush the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe it took me 10 minutes, but uh, I hope I don't have any traffic fines. I'm happy to be here. And welcome, gentlemen. Yeah, no, definitely. No, it's, it's, it's good to hear you back. If ever, obviously, I mean, it's something that, that, um, if ever, obviously, you've just tuned in. These are the two guests that we have, um, in studio, Mr. Phil June, who's the chief executive officer at ABB, um, South Africa. And we've got as well, um, you know, we've got as well, Jason, um, McCohen, who's the MD of McCohen Property Developers, who are currently in the middle of a development. So with the discussion that we're going to have with these gentlemen, I actually want to, um, it's, it's interesting that one is in technology um, and artificial intelligence, and one is definitely in the development space. Obviously, these are the two industries that are currently taking over um, a lot of um, change uh, in our country and in our economy. Um, as a whole, maybe let me start with you, Jason. Uh, before I actually um, get, uh, before I actually get uh, deep into details, perhaps start us. So somebody that is, that is listening, obviously, um, they've heard briefly about what you do in terms of the company and how long you've been um, involved um, in this business. Maybe let me ask you this: you've you've been, I don't know whether she, I I can't say an industry leader. Uh, but I've seen you've been very much participating uh, in terms of wanting to improve the economy of the township. Why specifically the economy of the township? Well, it, it comes from um, the genesis of the company. Uh, 35 years ago, my father in, in 1983, in the depths of the, the dark days, saw a dire need for shopping centers and services to be taken to the people. People were spending a disproportionate amount of their money Mm -hmm. to get to the main towns, and they were excluded from living in the main towns where they could get these goods and services. So, yeah, in the early 80s, he decided to start um, on a whim um, against much pressure from all sides Mm -hmm. um, and to start bringing retail to the people. Okay. that was the genesis of of the company, and we've stayed true true to that to this day, and we focus only on... Uh, in South Africa, mm-hmm. on the townships and the and the rural areas, so you know it's what it's what's what we know, it's what we're good at, mm. and, and I think, without doubt, the thing that brings me the most joy is when you do bring a shopping centre to the rural areas, mm-hmm. and you will get people coming and thank you for bringing town to the townships or yeah. to the rural areas because it it changes people's lives fundamentally, significantly. It can bring a thousand, thousand five hundred mm-hmm. jobs to an area that was previously devoid of any private sector mm. employment. And, you know, the money that they'll save on transport costs, the experience that you bring, the, the pride that you bring to an area that doesn't, mm. that doesn't have a place to hang out, you, mm. know, you know, it's, and it's all changing. It's all changing so quickly. And I suppose a lot of what we'll talk about now is how technology is changing the brick and mortar retail space mm. and where we're going, um, embracing technologies and how do we use this, um, this artificial intelligence, as, as, as you call it, um, to, to, you know, to better, Target um, the consumers um, in 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 the areas in which we're operating. Okay, um, I mean um, Leon. Um, al- already, I mean Jason is 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 leading us in the conversation <laughs> in terms of bringing you in. Maybe maybe as as a start, there's somebody that is listening that doesn't know what um, ABB is. Do you wanna perhaps maybe start introducing us? Uh, what is this company all about? 
Yeah, ABB is a pioneering technology leader. Mm-hmm. And really, we produce products, services, and systems and software. And it's a global company. So we involved in AMIA, Asia, Middle East, and Africa, mm-hmm. as well as Europe, as well as um, Americas. And our footprint, like I said, is global. What we do is for a customer base in utilities, industry, transport, and infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And we've got a very balanced portfolio with 38% coming from um, the uh, AMIA. And really, that 38%, we believe, will increase because AMIA is an extremely important region for ABB. Mm-hmm. And then 29% is coming from the Americas and 33% from Europe. We've got a turnover roughly of 34 billion US dollars, mm. employ 132,000 people, okay. and are active in 100 companies, glo- 100 countries globally. So now, so now, what role would you say you're playing in Africa first? Then two, what role are you playing in South Africa as a country? And three, what role are you playing in the township? Because we've not seen a lot of ABB in the township. Okay. Yeah. To start off with, in we've been. We celebrated 110 years in Africa last year, and that was really starting in 1907 in South Africa. Mm-hmm. So we've been on the continent for many years. Um, we really focus and have focused specifically on the utility side of the business mainly, okay. where our portfolio in Africa tends to the utility side more than it does to industry, transport, and infrastructure. Okay. Although we're busy moving a lot of our focus into industry to be less reliant on utilities because that is very politically connected and meaning that if there is elections and that, there isn't a lot of movement True. in that markets mm-hmm. in Africa. So we've got 23 offices in Africa. Um, we've divided Africa into two. Mm-hmm. Northern and Central Africa is managed out of Egypt. And Southern Africa, south of the equator, is managed from South Africa. So we've got 12 offices in Southern Africa looking after our customers in Southern Africa. All our offices in the smaller countries are really sales offices and service offices. Okay. Because one of the <coughs> things we believe strongly in is that you can't bring product and systems to customers without having local service. Service is definitely a local business. Mm -hmm. In South Africa, we've got um, a facility in Longmeadow that is in Modderfontein. That's our head office. And also we manufacture medium voltage switchgear there. We've just opened last year a traction transformer facility locally. And that is really to support the rail industry. And then we've got a motor factory, medium voltage motors that we manufacture in Elrode. Mm-hmm. And we've got offices in Cape Town, PE, and Durban as well. So we're well presented in the country as mm. such. Okay. We employ just over a thousand people in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the townships are concerned, yeah, we've been involved in, in quite a lot of projects to electrify townships um, over the years in, in South Africa as well as in the neighboring countries and the rest of Africa. And where I see us moving is really with the, we call it the energy revolution, and it's really with renewables. 
because when you go and have a look at Africa as such, you can see that we've got abundance of solar energy that's waiting to be honest. Okay. And we definitely believe to get people, if you think about Africa, 600 million people in Africa don't have access to electricity. And this is a quick and cost-effective way of bringing electricity to people in the rural areas. Mm. And that's really something I believe is happening, happening in a lot of places in Africa. Unfortunately, I think red tape and regulations in South Africa is not making it being rolled out that fast. If you have a look at East Africa, mm-hmm. a lot is being done in East Africa okay. because governments also make it easy for these installations to happen mm-hmm. and with re- less red tape. Okay. No, it's fine. So so now, um, okay, Bulanani, you know that red tape is, is an issue. <coughs> and it's something that, 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 that um, obviously plays a role. So you've managed to, um, Jason, to, to overcome some of the red tapes uh, in the township. But what, what has been your secret and how have you been doing it in terms of uh, doing penetration in the township and rural areas particularly? Hard work and dedication, <laughs> patience, I think, more than anything else. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if you're bringing... But, but you, can't, you can't say that, Jason. That means you, <laughs> you're saying Leon is not putting the hard work. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, what, what you need to understand, obviously, so electricity yeah. is one thing, and I certainly think we've seen a coalescence of where the in, the increasing price of, of the national grid and the decreasing price of solar has allowed a, a break point where solar now becomes, um, you know, viable on a commercial mm-hmm. scale. Um, but previously, we never had the ability to roll out if there was an ESCOM. But since the early days, we've always been providing our own water, our own sewage plants, to, because there weren't services in the, in the rural areas. Um, and so... Almost one division of what we do is actually uh, installing those those, so we become semi self sufficient. Um, we've done that in Livernot Bosch. We've uh, oh, got our pilot okay. first pilot project, just less than a megawatt peak um, of rooftop solar. Um, that's already um, beating the computer models that predicted what we'd be able to generate, and certainly it's a very good test bed for us to now roll this out throughout the rest of the portfolio. Of all the malls that we do have, coming back to your mall of Tembisa, mm. um, we are currently in negotiations with Nursa because there's insufficient uh, power in the grid to do two and a half megawatt peak um, of of solar um, at at that mall. And I think you know, as as responsible consumers, uh, responsible developers, um, we need to embrace technology. We need to embrace water water harvesting in a water scarce country. We've got the sun. And if we can use the sun, utilize it to bring power and electrify townships, you know, the only electrifying townships we've done in the past has really been when we, when we turn the lights of our malls on, the people go mad because it's, it's suddenly, you know, it's, it's a vibe. But certainly going forward, we'll be bringing in, we'll be bringing, um, through, uh, PV, rooftop PV throughout the majority of the malls where it's viable for us to do so. Um, and yeah, certainly, you know, what, what's been the, I think local, local participation really has been the, the secret, um, as to how we were able to participate. So, uh, local participation as in small business, as in individuals? Oh, as an overriding mindset of the company that Mud had started. You realize going into these areas, unless you got people at the ground level involved from equity participation in terms of procurement, in terms of local economic empowerment, in terms of making sure that the bricklayers were from the area that would 
build the build, that, that would shop at the shopping center, mm-hmm. through to the people that worked in the shop rights and everything else. We have got a whole system where we make sure that the people who are actually employed uh, in there, whilst we can't force the big retailers to actually employ locally, it's unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. We have um, we source the right um, CVs, make sure with the ward councillors, the guys are all from the local area. Mm-hmm. So that helps the micro economy. It helps stimulate the micro economy and this feedback mm-hmm. back into the shopping centers. Yeah. As soon as you see the local economy as more than just a whole lot of consumers, they mm-hmm. are participants within the community. That's the way that you're able to get their buy-in and then the, the, their social need and their social desire to be involved in the subliftment eventually becomes a tidal wave. And, mm. and you know, they're, they're, you, eventually you can't stop. If the community wants and they desperately need it, yeah. that's helped us get uh, get through and participate. And, you know, if you look at the the earliest, earliest of our shopping centers, we've still got the community trust, we've still got the local shareholders, to, mm-hmm. uh, the families, the descendants of the families still involved as equity participants, mm-hmm. participants so, in, the, in, in those malls. So, but uh, then, then is it, so do you set up a community trust in every community that you no, go it depend, into? No, it depends on, it depends on the, the structure. Very mm-hmm. often you, you'll, you'll, you'll come and it'll be a family that owns privately owned, owned land. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you will end up, we'll end up doing a deal with that family. So it all just depends on the, on the particular dynamic. So in in a case of Tembisa right now, are you developing? So in in Olive, uh, it's on the Olifonsfontein Road. It's actually with the with the landowners. Um, they're actually ha- uh, low cost housing developers um, mm-hmm. that are um, brought us into their project, uh, and we've kind of rejigged it. It wasn't working for them, and we have completely redesigned redesigned the development. And we've come a long way since we first spoke, and we've got a lot of tenants that have now. Uh, put pen to paper so we're pleased to say that it is going along very nicely Mm -hmm. Um, and you know as I say it's it's still early days in terms of that Um, you know we've got three other malls on the go uh, under construction at the moment in Kwakavantan and Kondabele we've got uh, the expansion to Modimole and then in Sekororo Metz Mm -hmm. uh, near Zanin we've got another one going there in that one in particular there we've Mm -hmm. got a 10% community trust Um, we've got basically it's 55% 55% uh, BE shareholding in that development there and there it's it's, um, it's actually ultimately might be two different local communities mm-hmm. that have um, hold a total of 20% plus then local business people so it, it varies from, from center to center and, and mm-hmm. on but at the end of the day one thing that doesn't change is how we treat the community and how we look to include them in the entire process in terms of the, the construction work and the long-term employment that that happens at the center. Um, Leon, I mean, uh, we, 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 there's a new word. I don't know if, Bulelani, you've, you've seen this word on, on, on social media buzzing and going around. Uh, the fourth in the, uh, the fourth industrial revolution. Definitely. Um, you know, and, and, and I don't like just throwing things around that I don't have an understanding of. So in layman's terms, what is the fourth industrial revolution? Okay. We speak about the Internet of Things. Mm-hmm. ABB speaks about the Internet of Things, services, and people. Okay. Because we believe that people will still be the core of the fourth industrial revolution. A lot of people are saying there will be huge job losses and that because mm. of the fourth industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. We don't believe that. Okay. If you have a look backwards and you have a look at all the industrial revolutions that's happened, mm. all of them have ended with a lot more innovation, a lot more jobs in the end of the day. So they w- I don't believe it will be negative. I believe it will be positive for our people. I also think if you speak about the, the Internet of Things with um, computing becoming 
cheaper, mm-hmm. with communication becoming cheaper. There is an inclusion of people that's previously been out of the business system. Mm-hmm. So for us, we look at the industrial part. So we look at factories. We look at um, processes, how you can improve that. And what the Industrial Revolution speaks about is getting the uh, equipment, the sensing on the equipment mm-hmm. that's become extremely cheap. So there's a lot of data. Using that data, putting it into a cloud, and then using apps and algorithms and intelligence to give that information back to the process or back to the plant. So that is where physical goes di- meets digital meets physical mm. again, and the plant optimizes itself. So that loop is basically what we see as the fourth industrial revolution. Let's, let's industrial Jason Small in Tembisa. How can we industrialize it? Well, one can definitely have a look at the mall and energy efficiency. Mm. I think energy efficiency is the start of, of this whole thing. And basically to have a look at when you've got a building, building automation, mm-hmm. when there's no people there, the lights go off. When there is people there, the lights are on. So that you use your sensing and automation mm. to make it more energy efficient. Mm. That's so, really it. So, so, so Jason spoke about that they, they're now starting to set up solar panels on all these different malls and whatsoever. Is that part of the um, revolution as well? And um, after that is, um, how is this re- current for the revolution different from the, all the others that have been? I think the renewable is definitely part of the energy revolution. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the industrial revolution, that's really connectivity, Internet of Things. And you can link it as well. If you have a look at rural electrification, mm-hmm. where they've put up solar plants and that for rural electrification, then people pay via their mobile banking. Okay. Now, if it wasn't for the Internet of Things, mobile banking wasn't there, that means it wouldn't have been viable for any company to go out and install a, a solar park because they wouldn't have been able to be paid. So my thing with that is, for instance, you look at... Um some of the participants, I think, I think in this particular space, you look at WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the time when WhatsApp started and just before it got sold, they only had a, what, 38 employees and they were, a, what, how much were they worth? Is it $10 billion or $20 billion? Mm-hmm. So you look at the number of people and then you look at the scale in terms of the reach. Um, I, the, what I'm leading to or rather alluding to is you really don't think that the, the fourth industrial revolution and um, us being able to create life to be more convenient and easier will not kill or rather cut jobs whereas you would have had a general individual um, running the job or running the machine. Now you've got robotics that has come in and you've got automation. Now the gate opens itself and the door and it warms up your kettle. You know, <laughs> I don't know, from a layman's perspective, it seems a little bit too scary for me, you know. Let's have a look at the countries worldwide yes. that has really embraced automation, embraced robotics, Germany, Japan, China, South Korea. Those are all countries that have been big in automation, big in robotics, very low um, unemployment rates in those countries, and their businesses are hugely successful. So for me, 
what it does, it, it, it makes businesses more successful. Mm. And if you've got successful businesses, you can grow. Mm. That means you can put another line in. So you might on the one side cut five jobs, but with putting in another line, you're creating 20 jobs. Yeah. I, listen, so, I, I agree with yes. this because, you know, if you, if you, if you becoming more efficient as a producer, you're then able to compete globally and we all live in a global, global market. And so suddenly you're able to sell more things internationally. You, you need more truckers to truck your product. You mm-hmm. need more stevedores. You need more guys at the ports. You need, you, you need a lot because everything, technology is making everything more efficient. I think the one big difference between this and the previous uh, industrial revolution was it drove the price of coal up. What this industrial revolution is making sure that data must fall and, and the price <laughs> is going to keep on coming down because the, the demand for it uh, is, is ever increasing and it's making everything more efficient. You know, certainly from our side in the in the retail space, it has revolutionized retail. If you see uh, the world's richest man now, Jeff Bezos, Amazon.com. Mm, and now mm. if you look at the market cap of, of Amazon uh, relative to all the major, major brick-and-mortar retailers in the world, they, mm-hmm. they dwarf them a hundred times. And that is all because of this revolution that is happening and what our – I won't say it's a threat. You know, we're certainly behind um, the rest of the world in terms of uh, accessibility and, and connectivity to data, but it's it's coming. And certainly one of the things that we we are embracing in terms of the installation of not only free Wi-Fi at the malls, but, but more um, Wi-Fi that will now broadcast to the community mm-hmm. and offer 50 megabytes of, of free data um, as a kind of community outreach um, program. If you take that further, if you've got that free Wi-Fi in a place that's close to the mall, that person all of a sudden has internet access, it can get to know and understand what's happening in the world, and it can see a niche market somewhere. Today as well, the person, your employees, don't necessarily need to be in an office. They can sit on the other side of the world and still contribute to a company. That means a lot of people in Africa can find work with companies because the supply chain, the whole concept of supply chain will change dramatically going forward. Never mind education. You imagine mm. what internet access, mm. you know, you don't need a manual anymore. You can go into YouTube true. and, and mm. you can watch what, <laughs> how to you know, work your vacuum cleaner or whatever else. And the same said for algebra and everything else. And people's access to internet automatically empowers them to access education and uplift themselves, um, no matter how whatever their schooling situation is. Um, so it, it actually works as a multiplier on so many different levels. Um, so, so my question then would be, do you, what's your take in terms of our country? Do you think that we are picking up in terms of this fourth industrial revolution? And cause I mean, I dated back to about five, six years when I was running an internet cafe in Tembisa and it took a while for internet to sift through, you know, uh-huh. and I've kind of, uh, without without any informed or any statistics or research or whatever, I've kind of just made up my own conclusion to then say, whatever whatever happens in your Germany's or your US is going to take time to hit the country. Do you guys also feel that way? Yes and no. Mm. I think South Africa is conservative, but I think a lot of first world countries are even more conservative. If you ever look at the payment methods, PISA that was yeah. rolled out mm. in East Africa, mm. that doesn't even happen in America. So we've got nothing to lose. If you, if you take for me, the prime example is cell phones. If you have a look at how many people using cell phones in Africa today never used a landline. 
<laughs> so that means just leapfrogging it because there's no legacy. With no legacy, you can change much quicker than somebody with a huge legacy. Yeah, that's true. So but I definitely think we can we can gain and leapfrog a lot of countries internationally. Well, I think so, I, th- I think there's there's two two things at play here. Certainly, one the the falling price of smartphones, which yeah. gives mm-hmm. people access through their handset. Yeah, that's true. In, in, yeah. The, in the old days, it, it was the the cheap cell phones were only used to USSD lines and and all of that. You couldn't actually access. Now you're getting sub thousand rand smartphones that have got the full seventy percent of the functionality of a twenty thousand rand iPhone, um, and that's making it more accessible. And obviously, the the price of data has to keep coming down and needs to be more ubiquitous wherever you go. If you go into a lot of the first world countries, you can walk down the streets and you can connect to the city's Wi-Fi. I know Tony was, was rolling out some pilot projects and I hope that, that you know, in the, in the future that will, you know, people will take that lead. Certainly it's what we're looking to do at the malls um, to enable our, our people to actually get online uh, more often. Now, so just, just to cut in, so my, my, my then question would be, with this whole conversation that we are having, mm-hmm. do you think there will ever be a point where malls in, uh, as a brick and mortar structure would be absolute in this particular country? Yes and no, because it's happened in America um, where you've had category killers like Walmart come in and people can get everything they want under Walmart and the overall shopping, people didn't offer, offer enough of an experience. I don't think clothing is, is something that people are too comfortable buying online. Certainly electronics and, and things that you get specs on, people are very comfortable buy, um, buying online. I think our total online purchase is lit, was about 2.5%, I think. Uh, in South Africa, the majority of that is actually air travel. Um, so in terms of actual um, goods, it's still very low. But um, you've got to embrace it. There's, that's why I think if you see what we're going to be bringing into Mall of Timbis, it's not just a mall. It's not about shopping. There's entertainment. Mm, there's, mm. A, there's a whole mindset. How do I make the mom who's bringing and dad who brings their kids there, how do I make them the hero in their kid's life? How can I give them an experience that's not going to hit their pocket? How are they going to go and play the action soccer, in the kids' play parks, the jungle gyms, whatever else that they can access freely and have a good time by going to this thing that becomes a beacon of entertainment in, say, Tembisa, where it's, there isn't that much other opportunities for the guys to do anything without spending uh, money on the entertainment. You know, it's normally bar lounges on a Sunday. <laughs> and um, I think that's the space that we've now got to fill. It's, it's, it's embracing the technology, but also providing an, ex- an experience, entertainment um, to the guys that are coming there um, and, and services. You know, at the end of the day, I've always said that, that I see our shopping centers as the village squares of old where the community to, can come and connect. Was I think one of the big disadvantages of internet of of our cell phones is is you see the kids of today and they they're stuck with their eyes on the That's screen. True. It's true. There's not enough interaction between people anymore, and I, I see that. That's socially one of the roles that we want to be playing in our shopping centers is to make sure that people interact and yeah. create communal seating areas in the food courts that, they, that, that you can kind of sit down next to someone else at the same bench mm. um, and, and have a conversation. Yeah. So I, th- I, th- I think I want to come to Leon with something as far as the change is concerned. But maybe before I get to Leon, uh, Jason, tell me, right now there's a revolution that is happening in South Africa that – um, that now it's being introduced that now people are introducing uh, shipping containers mm-hmm. and other alternative structures as shopping centers. Um, what's your opinion about that? 
Yes, it's, it seems like there are a lot of revolutions going on in South Africa. But listen, yes, there are. There was one successful one in Harare as well. Um, and it, you know, shipping containers, you know, the ones that are no longer good for shipping are actually really, really good value in terms of what they, what they offer, they offer you. One of the, just talking about the, there was that, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention products, but there was that, that entrepreneurship uh, program uh, competition. And mm. one of the ones was a shipping container that folded open like a butterfly. Oh, and yes, and yes. I thought, I thought that was brilliant, uh, you yeah. know, repurposing and upcycling the old shipping containers to bring um, electricity to the rural areas in the Eastern Cape. Yeah. Um, listen, there are some very good architects who've used shipping containers in in architecturally very clever ways mm. um, and yeah it's good for pop-ups and everything else terrible for for insulation and for heating and, and so the conditions in there unless you put a roof over it and, and, and a lot of insulation very hot um, certainly one of the things we're doing at our shopping center in Soweto and Dipkloof um, we've just uh, it's, it's basically it's an educational um, box theory using uh, upcycled shipping containers mm. and they literally have come down and they're, they're plonking it in the parking lot and we've got for Alex Mall and London Road another one of our developments um, they'll be looking to do it there as well and guys are literally doing uh, educational courses now and they literally pop up pop-up colleges um, that are being done in in shipping containers so if you can if you can learn you can teach i'm sure you can shop you know we've all seen it barber shops and yeah. and everything mm, else in, mm. in in these shipping containers so they are very <laughs> they, 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 literally you can take them off the back of a truck put them down and and you're set yeah no definitely <laughs> and leon i mean many people that fear artificial intelligence may be replacing their jobs um and me having traveled extensively i remember when i posted a video in, in america actually two videos one it was about um, a robotic um, that was um, sort of like uh, that was doing room service I actually followed it up until they left um, to actually see how it does it and it was using the infrared technology and the other one it was a question it was the um, what do you call it it was in a shopping mall um, you know just like Jason is doing there were no packers there were no teal whatever they were using now um, you know their own teal they were picking their own things and whatsoever the only people that were working in the shop it was the manager I think and the security like you know people had really and for me I remember even in the post that I made I said if some of these technology would come to Africa uh, it would be bad because you could imagine by Jason putting that mall on its own, how many employees, um, you know, does it create with some of these anchor tenants um, that you have? Aren't you not fearing for, for that for us in, in, in South Africa? Not really fearing. I think they've stated clearly that 60% of jobs that exist today won't exist in 2025. That hmm. doesn't mean the jobs will disappear. The jobs will be different. That means your job description will be quite different and the skills needed will be very different from today. I think the the heavy lifting, um, the dangerous work, the monotonous work might, there might be issues in that area, definitely mm-hmm. but the skill sets of people need to change and I think companies and education today need to look at what will be needed for the future mm-hmm. because the skill sets of 2025 Against the skill sets of 2018 will be vastly different. Hmm. Quickly, um, I know that that some of these things are the things that you're going to be discussing next week at the ACW conference taking place at the Centen Convention Center. Do you want to quickly tell us about that? Yeah, ABB has on a ongoing basis throughout the world 
uh, ABB Customer World that we call ACW. Mm-hmm. And the ACW Africa will happen next week on the 10th and 11th in at the Santon Convention Center. Okay. And it's really where ABB showcase where technology is today. Hmm. What is possible today with technology mm-hmm. and where technology is going in the future, according to ABB. So it's really with people involved in technology mm-hmm. should register and or should come to the ACW and really see where, where we believe technology is going into the future. Hmm. So now, um, so now, um, is it open to to the public? Is it open to everyone, or is it strictly by invite? And if ever it is, how much is the entrance? There's there's no entrance fee, and what it really is, all we're asking is that people register, and really people from the industry and people involved in technology. Mm-hmm. We expect about two thousand people over the two days to really come through the exhibition and to attend some of the talks where we showcase what ABB has done internationally. And we've got 210 solutions that we call ABB Ability Solutions, okay. where really where we've closed that loop that I was speaking about mm-hmm. in plants. And you, if you see the gains that those companies have made, it's been tremendous. And that is really something that South African companies need to have a look at mm-hmm. where they're going. Because if you're ignoring the fourth industrial revolution, you might not be around in five years' time. Yeah, so true. it's better for you to have a look at it and see how you can bring it into your company to mm-hmm. make it more successful. Yeah. So now, um, so now for people that that want to participate uh, in this way, can they get hold of tickets or access? No, there's no tickets. There's basically you can register through our website. Okay. Or you can pitch up the day and register at the venue. Can you give us the website? It's www.abb.com. www.abb.com. Or just get to Sentin Convention Center and register on site to actually see some of the uh, technologies that they've spoken about. We're also calling on all social entrepreneurs. Be South Africa's next change maker with the National Builder Social Innovation Challenge. Uh, whether you are a self-entrepreneur, a self-employed person, I mean, entrepreneurs with a self-sustainable business idea, no matter how simple or how small or how big, that can address particular social issues. Uh, the likes of you, Bulelani. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got T as well that addresses mm-hmm. so, um, social issues. Positive impacts communities, empowers the disadvantage or has potential to solve local problems in innovative ways. You are invited to enter the Social Innovation Challenge uh, that we're going to be having next week starting the show. For the next four weeks, we're going to be bringing you this competition right where you've got stand a chance of winning 150,000 in terms of seed capital into your business. The National Builder, together with the Stellenbosch University, Launch Lamp, and the Morgan, um, and the Megan uh, Group is inviting business pitches for their inaugural social innovation challenge. The competition aims to identify and support South African social entrepreneurs with an opportunity to win a share of 150 thousand seed capital so if ever you're an entrepreneur you are listening and you are a social entrepreneur your well-being and um, it's supporting people and bringing social change into the community
community. We're going to be having it right. We're going to be having the people right here in studio. Have a listen next week and definitely follow our social media platforms. It's at cliffcentral.com. Um, on Twitter, it's cliffcentral. On Facebook and every other platform, it's cliffcentral.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter or on social media, it's at Debohoma40. And if you want to follow my boy, it's Bulelani. It's at Bulelani Bala. Yes, we're going to be definitely posting about this. I'm looking forward to actually sharing and giving some of this 150,000 um, price that needs to be won um, to entrepreneurs that are listening out there. Tim Misa is where it's going to be happening with Jason McQueen. But I'm curious, there is why Tim Misa though? Why Tim Misa? Mm. <laughs> Have you never been there? I've been <laughs> there. Why <laughs> Tembisa? Why My Tembisa? Goodness, it's such a huge place. It's yeah. vibrant. We actually developed the first major shopping center there near the Laurel Station um, at Tembisa Plaza. Oh, is it? In the early days. That was our first township development when when uh, the kind of townships became slightly less violent. And okay. We could actually get, get in there. Mm. Um, and... We sold that that on uh, many years ago. We carried on managing it for the people. We sold it to mm-hmm. some years later. So mm. we've always wanted to get back in because it was a it was an area that is is got huge population growth. You know all the all the peri-urban townships in Gauteng are showing huge amount of growth, mm. not just because of natural you know, population growth, mm-hmm. but because of rural urban migration, people moving to backyard shacks just to try and get a place to stay. They can try and get a work work in, in, in the city. So in Tembisa, we're looking at about 6% population growth, which is uh, in, in our primary and secondary market, which is which is massive. Mm. Um, and there, there was already a, a, a huge void. There, there isn't any shopping, mm. shopping center of significance in that area, and it's on the, the intersection of the two main roads. Willie Fontaine Road and the road that goes into Ivory, Ivory and Ebony Park. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got about between five hundred and eight hundred thousand people literally on our doorstep. Um, how, how how much is the cost of this development? Current cost about seven hundred and fifty million. It's forty three thousand squares. First phase. Um, I can tell you, Shoprite Super Spa, and as of yesterday, Discam um, uh, has put pen to paper ABSA as well. Um, and so certainly, it's it's certainly going to be our first discam uh, moving into into the the emerging market, mm. uh, and, and it's great to see that they've taken this leap of faith and mm. are joining us in the in the townships yeah. for this development. I mean, one one of our listeners has has just posted saying, I mean, uh, with these um, big companies like yourselves that come into the township, um, they give people non-strategic um, opportunities other than strategic opportunities. Uh, what would be your response beyond that? Just say that again. They give them non-strategic. Uh, yeah, you said you, uh, the 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 this nice thing you're giving people or local people. I think is referring to the one that you guys are creating jobs. Mm-hmm. You said you guys are giving people non-strategic, um, you know, opportunities than uh, than strategic oh, uh, opportunities. It depends on how you define strategic. Well, certainly, what we're doing is we're giving opportunities. Um, and how you whether you define that as strategic or non-strategic, you know, from our side, we are bringing a lot of opportunity, a lot of jobs, a lot of uh, on-site. So all the, all the service providers are will be. Local local people, um, the the um, race diversity in our in our you company. You didn't say all. Hey? You didn't say all. What did did you, you just say all? I didn't hear what I said. Because okay. <laughs> <laughs> that one I can bet that all service providers are not coming from from, from the town. No. So there. generally speaking, when I say all service providers, I'm talking about the ongoing uh, the management, the security, the cleaning. Okay. Uh, we will always look to get guys from within the townships. To, then, to from do, a development perspective, from the develop from the actual building, mm-hmm. uh, we make it a condition of our contracts actually with the the main contractor mm. that they have to wherever possible employ local subcontractors mm. um, and so we have a C- we'll have a CLO on site taking CVs 
from before the mall even starts, collecting, uh, finding out who the guys are. We work through the, the local business chambers. We work through through the um, the local municipality, finding out who's on their contractors lists. And we yeah, listen. We we go a long way to making sure that we do um, adhere to this um, throughout the entire stage of. Yeah. Our when are you starting with the development? So it's, it's all leasing dependent at the moment. We are about twenty five percent leased by the list that I've got with me. It looks like by the end of April we should have most of the leasing done. Uh, so I'd imagine early in the second half of this mm-hmm. year um, we should be looking to roll out the construction of this okay. development. I cannot, uh, you gentlemen, you cannot go without having answered this question. Um, you, okay, from from maybe let me ask you first, um, ABB. What 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 are you doing um, as ABB, um, as the CEO of the South African region? Um, as far as enterprise development is concerned, enterprise and supply development? We do a lot on enterprise development and supply development. Uh, that is one of the key areas of focus for us in our supply chain mm-hmm. and developing small businesses. And we've done, um, just to give you an idea, we did all our transport randomly. We've consolidated that, went to a small company that was starting up. Mm-hmm. Helped them with finance, brought them up to speed, and now all our transport is going through the one company. Okay. All our transport of people. Mm-hmm. That means picking up at airports, dropping at hotels, all all our transport. So we're not only in the pure supply chain mm-hmm. where we use, where we use um, small suppliers and develop suppliers. It's also outside of the box. We also, with the start of our traction transformer company, mm-hmm. we looked for small suppliers locally, and we've developed a small supply in Cape Town up to, that's the only, only company now in South Africa with certain welding criteria because the welding criteria is extremely strict mm-hmm. for traction transformers that go onto the rail sector. We've developed them. We've brought people from Switzerland out here to come and train them and develop them and be accredited. Mm. So for us, small companies and training and developing a small companies are key to our success. Is it, uh, Jason? Well, I'm actually I just remembered something <laughs> that, that because it's contextual. You know, yeah. the original t- uh, Timbisa Plaza. There mm. was two young guys, Patrick and Simon, who had a dream to start a cleaning company. They had Barca Cleaning Services. And at that particular mall, there were local Tembisa guys. We decided to give them a break, and we employed them as the as a cleaning contractor. And by the time I last checked, they had 10, 15 different malls that they were then 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 cleaning, and we'd helped literally grow that business. So just in terms of the context, you know, we do so much of the stuff. Mm. But I thought, you know, let's just mention that one that I'd remembered from the original Tembisa because we're talking about Tembisa. But, okay. you know, in terms of enterprise development, um, you know, we've always got shops reserved for local businessmen. Um, we've always interacting with the franchisees um, to, to make sure that we can get local guys owning the franchises, the chicken lickens <coughs> and, and the like in, in our shopping centers. We do whatever we can to make sure that we're actually seeing to include the the local community in, in in everything that we're doing, so it's not just one thing. It's it's actually an overriding um, kind of mindset that that pervades the entire organisation in terms of making sure that the people who shop at the centre are part of the shopping centre in terms of their ownership and in terms of whether they own equity or not. That they feel that they own the shopping centre. It's it's their mall. It's their it's their sense of pride in the community. No man, I think you asked what I wanted to ask Especially around um, the allocation of space for local business And what is the criteria, if there's any at this point 
for any local businesses to get space? Is there any criteria? The, any criteria? Now, generally speaking, you need to understand how to run a business. You need to have some experience because obviously shop fitting out a shop is, is expensive. Um, and it's, it's heartbreaking to see people who put their, their life savings into putting together a shop and, and a business and they don't really know how to, to operate it and, and, that, and then that falls. So certainly from my side, um, if you were to say, no, you want to open up an internet shop, I'd say, no, because there we're going to, we're going to have internet free Wi-Fi for everyone. So, yeah, so, so it's definitely not going to yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. So, so it all depends on what they're selling and we know yeah. what, what, what's working now, what's, what, what, what isn't. Um, and in terms of what is working, you know, we will obviously get inundated by thousands, um, of, of requests from local guys to run very much the same things. And, and if they've got some experience, certainly, you know, we, we'll engage with them. Um, generally speaking, the local tenants only get once we are quite far into the building program that's when we start engaging with the local tenants once the big nationals have all been signed up and uh, the guys can then see that this thing isn't just something that they've seen in the newspapers it's mm. actually they can mm. see it growing in front of their eyes um, and it's becoming a reality and it's all the smaller shops 50 60 70 100 squares uh, you know your, your doctors your pharmacies your hair and beauty um, obviously the franchises um, and, and whatever else other people want to bring um, interesting so what's hot do you have that in front of you? Do you what? Or do, do, what's, what's hot? What's you hot? Mentioned, you mentioned, no, hot. What's so you mentioned that there are certain businesses that are hot and not in the township. Does it differ uh, from uh, township to township? No, I, can tell you what's, I can tell you what's not uh, at the moment. You know, and it's, and it's, it's sad for us to see is, is pharmacies are battling. Really? Um, pharmacies traditionally it was always one of the mainstays. Of what, but because of the, I think, the regulations that have come in, we find our doctors and our pharmacies are really battling these days. Um, What's not hot in, in, in the shopping centers anymore was, was the, the old tombstone lands and all of those. Yeah. Um, those have all fallen away. Internet cafes have fallen away Definitely. with, you know, hugely. Um, so the, 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 the print and copy shops as well, you know, yeah. those have fallen away, uh, significantly. What is hot? I'll tell you what is in the, specifically in the townships is things that speak to the aspirations of a young up and coming middle class. Specifically, uh, male guys. Um, so your, your sporty fashion wear, your sneakers, your cross trainer, these, these things that, that's like, I've arrived and I'm, I'm on my way up. And anything that speaks to them, not just in the threads that they mm, wear, mm. but the lifestyle that they live in. If you look at what we developed in, in, in Alex, it was a bar lounge in the establishment, which is a really swanky place to come and, and be with the, with the, with the, with the soccer fields that we've done, the action soccer, father side soccer fields mm. there. And it's you know it's it's a place to come and come and enjoy and and and, and be seen, um, drinking your Amstel or, or your Johnny Black or whatever else. And it's um, yeah, those things yeah. that say I've I've arrived are, are, are great. Interesting, Le- Leon. What is hot in the tech space? <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a trick question for us. Um, for us, really, where technology is going is interesting. I think it's a huge challenge, and. You've got to be there. You've got to be there. If you don't take up technology and you don't take up where the fourth industrial revolution is taking us, you'll be left behind. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm going to pick on that uh, up on that. I'm going to say, you know, the guys are saying they're worried that their jobs are going to get taken by by artificial intelligence, and yes. I say. You only get taken out by artificial intelligence if you don't have genuine intelligence, because <laughs> change has I been like the that. only constant. Throughout mm. our history, mm. and 
if you cannot adapt, you will die. And with the pace of technology, the pace of learning, the pace of how everything's advancing, we have to move as quickly as it is advancing. Otherwise, we're going to left be, be behind, be left behind. And there are, there are a million eight-year-olds that know how to work an iPhone better than I do. And, and, you know, we're going to get taken out by the people that are embracing it earlier in their lives. Um, so, you know, you can't, you can't look past it. Yeah. No, Amazing. gentlemen, um, thanks a lot, man. You know, we, we always run out of time when we're having interesting conversation. But we always try to close our show off in style. A word of 30-second inspiration to somebody that is listening, that is on the verge of giving up. Leon, we're starting with you, with some of the wisdom you have. I think go out there, embrace change, embrace technology, and don't be scared of trying things. I think that is, for me, what people generally are scared of technology. Don't be scared of technology. Like Jason mentioned, why is an eight-year-old better on a cell phone than I am? Because they're not scared of trying things. They're not scared of exploring. And we need to explore and do things. Okay. Jason? Um, I I just think more on a philosophical level. I think um, we as South Africans have come from a particularly painful past. And and we've reached a point where we've started a dialogue. Across, uh, across, you know, the various race, culture, gender groups, and everything else, and and I certainly think for people that are looking to give up, I think that they must know that there are people out there that are business leaders, that are thought leaders, that are willing to make a difference and to work w- with the 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 way that we're going with the, with the, with the new government and to make South Africa a better place because we all know that it it is a better place than where it is at the moment and where it has been and there's a lot of energy and there's a lot of positivity, a lot of good people across all divides that are willing to hold hands to make this place a better place for us all to be in and that unemployment rate has got to drop I'm one of the people that is willing to work with other people like myself to make sure that we do make a difference and there are a lot of us out there so they mustn't be despondent we're a better nation than maybe our past has allowed us to believe we are yeah no that's all that we had for you today <laughs> on 360 Biz I'm Three sixty biz on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.